For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part one of the series. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you today to our study on the subject of Two Houses and the New Testament. This study is a part of a discipleship program which is a monthly program that is available in both audio and DVD format, which will help you to systematically go through and to understand the Hebraic roots of Christianity. This is going to be the first of an eight-part series on this subject. And what we're going to be covering in this session is we're going to begin to show you why the book of Luke begins with telling us about the birth of John the Baptist. What is the Hebraic meaning behind this? And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at the ministry message of both John and Yeshua, which contained repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and also then to believe the gospel. What's the Hebraic perspective and understanding of that? And then we're going to begin to paint for you an outline for you to understand that the central theme of the New Testament is the role of the Messiah to gather the exiles of Israel and to unite the 12 tribes of Israel and a detailed explanation of how that is going to happen. So let's begin by looking at the background which the book of Luke tells us regarding the birth of of John the Baptist or Yochanan the Immerser. To begin with, we need to understand from Luke in chapter 1 and verse 5 that Zacharias was a priest of the course of Abiah. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, when it tells us in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, that Zacharias was of the course of Abia. In order to understand what that means, we have to go back to First Chronicles in chapter 24 and verse 1, verse 5, and verse 10. It will give us the following information. Now, these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. Thus, they were divided by Lot. And then it says the 
eighth course of the division of the sons of Aaron went to Abiyah. Now, if we look at the Talmud in Tanit 26a, it will tell us that in the first century, Israel was divided into 24 districts. And there was representatives from these districts who came and served in the temple during certain times of the year. And this is the background that we need to understand as to exactly when Zacharias that is the father of John was in the temple in what period of time of year does this event take place and that will help us to understand when John was born and knowing when John is born is significant to understanding the redemption of the nation of Israel and why the book of Luke begins by telling us about the birth of John the Baptist or Yochanan the Immerser. So let's look what the Talmud has to say in Tanit 26a. The following are the details concerning the Ma'amadot. The earlier prophets instituted 24 Mishmarot, and that means districts, and each Mishmar or district was represented at the temple in Jerusalem by its own Ma'amad of priests, Levites, and Israelites. The priests were divided into 24 divisions, with each division serving in the temple for one full week every half year. So they would serve in the temple twice during the year. The division was subdivided into six families or groups, and each group was in service on one day in the week. Priests from each of the 24 districts of Israel served during the biblical feasts. So therefore, the course of Abiyah would be serving in the 10th week of the year. Now in Luke chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 11, it is written, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So what he's doing by the altar of incense is he's offering prayers unto the God of Israel. And there were standard prayers that were prayed when this is happening. And they are known as the Amidah or the 18 benedictions. The Amidah or the standing prayer are 18 benedictions which are prayed three times a day in traditional Judaism. Two of these prayers are for the end of the exile of the 12 tribes of Israel, that is the house of Jacob, and the coming of King Messiah. The coming of King Messiah is associated with the coming of Elijah who precedes King Messiah. In the book, The Messiah Text by Raphael Patai, on page 181, he explains that Orthodox Jews pray three times a day for the ingathering of the exiles. And in the chapter in the book, chapter 19, which is entitled The Ingathering and the Return of the Shekinah, it is written, One of the great themes of the Messianic cycle is that of the ingathering of the exiles from the four corners of the earth. Ever since the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Romans in the year 70, Jews have prayed three times a day for the ingathering of the exiles, which for them is synonymous with redemption. Now, redemption is the end of the exile and the coming of King Messiah. Continuing on... 
in looking at the prayers for the coming of the Messiah from the Amidah in the book, The Messiah Text by Raphael Patai. On page 321, we are told, the requests for redemption and the coming of the Messiah addressed to God are part of the Amidah prayer, popularly referred to as the 18 benedictions, which together with the Shema, which is Hero Israel, which comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 in verse 4, is the most important Jewish daily prayer that is recited three times every day. Looking at page 321 in the Messiah text by Raphael Patai, the 10th prayer of the Amidah, the 18 benedictions, is the following. Blow the great shofar for our freedom and lift up a banner to gather our exiles and gather us from the four corners of the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gathers the banished of your people, Israel. So the setting that we have here in Luke chapter one is Zacharias, the father of John. He is in the temple at a prescribed time of the year for his course. And he's at the altar of incense offering standard prayers. And among the prayers that he's going to be praying is for the end of the exile of the 12 tribes in the coming of King Messiah. Now, this is the background that we need to understand in order to realize what's going on here in our text. Now, in the book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 1, page 156, written by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, he will explain that it is the Jewish expectation that Elijah will precede the coming of the Messiah. We have been promised that Elijah the prophet will appear first to herald the coming of the Messiah. This is the background as to why Yeshua was asked in Matthew in chapter 17 in verses 10 through 13 why the scribes or the rabbis teach that Elijah must come first or precede the coming of King Messiah. So the question is asked in Matthew chapter 17 verse 10 and his disciples ask him saying why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Yeshua answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. He's referring to the future. He will in the future come and restore all things. Now, you restore something that originally was, and then it got into a deteriorated state, and then you're going to bring it back to its original condition. That is the function of Elijah in the future. Of course, Yeshua here is going to be speaking about his second coming. But since Yeshua is already in the earth, this being at that time his first coming, he goes on to say in Matthew chapter 17, verse 12, But I say unto you that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. So, before Messiah comes, Elijah must precede him. Yeshua is here at his first coming, so who is Elijah that precedes him? Yeshua explains that it is John the Baptist, or Yochanan the Mercer, who in the book of Luke, chapter 1, it goes on to tell us in verse 17, 
that he's coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He's not literally the Elijah of old, but he's coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah of old. And likewise, we have before Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives at his second coming, that Elijah, the ministry and message of Elijah, will precede Yeshua's setting his feet down on the Mount of Olives. Now let's see in Luke chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 17, how Yochanan the Immerser is personified as Elijah. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. The ministry of Elijah brings restoration. Speaking about the end of days in Messiah's second coming, we are told in Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Remember ye the Torah of Moses, my servant. So the subject is remembering the Torah of Moses. And regarding remembering the Torah of Moses, it then says in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. Why is Elijah the prophet being sent? He's being sent with the message of remember the Torah of Moses. And when is this message proclaimed? It says in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. The great and dreadful day of the Lord refers to the tribulation period. So before we have the tribulation period and before we have the day of the Lord, we're going to have the ministry of Elijah who is going to be sharing the message to remember the Torah of Moses. And so this is referring to the second coming. Now, it is a Jewish expectation that you are to expect Elijah around Passover season. And what we're going to end up seeing from the details that were given in Luke chapter 1 is that Yochanan the Immerser, he is going to be born at Passover season, the exact time of the year when the Jewish people are expecting Elijah. You see, why at Passover? It is because the coming of Elijah is a signal of the redemption, the end of the exile, the uniting of the 12 tribes in the coming of the Messiah. So what biblical festival is the central theme of that festival, the redemption. It is Passover. And so when you are having a traditional Passover Seder, there's going to be four cups that's going to be associated with this Passover Seder. And they're going to teach you about your personal salvation in the Messiah. And the four cups that are a part of the traditional Passover Seder, these cups have names. And the first cup is known as the cup of sanctification. The second cup is known as the cup of affliction and deliverance. The third cup is the cup of redemption. And the fourth cup is known the cup of his coming kingdom. Then there's an additional cup in a traditional Passover Seder. And this additional cup, besides the four cups that we partake of and drink of in a Passover Seder service, this additional cup is called the cup of Elijah. And Elijah's cup reminds us that Elijah will precede the coming of the Messiah. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, volume one on page 99, by Rebbe 
Menachem Schneerson, he explains the purpose of Elijah's cup. The custom of filling a goblet of wine for the prophet Elijah at the Seder night on Passover is not mentioned in the Gemara nor in the earlier writings. Its earliest source is in the writings of the authorities of the 16th century and later. But what is the reason behind this custom? This custom is an expression of the Jewish people's belief in the coming of the Messiah and the coming of Elijah, who will herald the imminent redemption. The cup of Elijah is not drunk during the Passover Seder meal, but it is poured out. The cup of Elijah reminds us that before Messiah will return, that Elijah will precede his coming. And it is step 14 of the 15 steps of a traditional Passover Seder. This step 14 is known as the Hillel, where we proclaim the Hillel and we drink of the fourth cup. During Hillel, a cup is poured for Elijah. And traditionally, the children go to the door to look for the coming of Elijah. Psalm 115 through Psalm 118 are recited. And this is known as the Hillel. Then the great Hillel, Psalm 136, is recited. Following that, we drink of the fourth cup. The fourth cup is known as the cup of his coming or the cup of the kingdom. And then in a traditional Passover Seder, you sing the song Haggadah. Now, with this background, let's see how it can help us to understand the birth of John. In Luke chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, it is written, And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, after he departed to his own house, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. Now looking at Luke chapter 1 verse 57 and verses 62 and 63, it is written, Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and he wrote saying that his name is John. Now from this information that we've been given here in Luke chapter 1, the information being that the father of John, Zacharias, is a priest of the course of Abiyah. And then with the information here that we're, we're given, we're allowing for the laws of separation, which are mentioned in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19 and verses 24 and 25. After Zacharias went back to his house, as we read here in Luke chapter 1, verse 23. And then if we go forward nine months from the 10th week in the year, plus two weeks for the laws of separation, and then nine more months, it will put the birth of Yochanan the Immerser around Passover, which is Aviv, is what the Bible refers to the month, or Nisan, as it's commonly called, 14th. Now, there is six months of age difference between John the Immerser and Yeshua. Yochanan the Immerser is six months older than Yeshua. So, from these things, we can see that Yochanan was born at Passover season. It will allow us to understand when Yeshua was born. He was born during the 
fall festivals and specifically at the time of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, once again, the significance of why we are given information so that we can understand that Yochanan the Immerser was born at Passover season is because Passover is the month of redemption. It is the month when the children of Israel historically came out of Egypt and it is believed it is also the month when the end of the exile will start as it relates to the times of the end and the second coming of Yeshua. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 2, on page 111, Rabbi Schneerson explains, Rabbi Eliezer says, In Nisan, our people were redeemed, but in Tishrei, Tishrei is the month where we have the fall holidays, those being Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, they will be redeemed. Rabbi Yochanan says, In Nisan, that is the month of Passover, our people were redeemed, and in Nisan, in the future, they will be redeemed redeemed. So we have two different opinions on when the end of the exile will begin. One view is it will be in the month of Passover, and the other that it will be in the month of the fall holidays. And the halakha, or the official position of Orthodox Judaism, is it will be in the month of Passover. The Midrash determines, according to the view of Rabbi Yehoshua, that the time of the redemption is the month of Nisan, or in the Bible, it is called Aviv. Now, we have this very important Torah principle that the events which happened to the forefathers foreshadows what will happen to their descendants. Now, another way of phrasing this is that biblical history is prophecy. And so, looking at the future redemption, that is the end of the exile of the house of Jacob, in Psalm 1, 126 and verse 1 it reads, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. The word laughter here is Isaac or Yitzhak. So Yitzhak or Isaac is associated with turning again the captivity of Zion. And so given that Isaac is associated with the end of the exile and turning again the captivity of Zion or the end of the exile of the 12 tribes of Israel, Israel, the birth of Isaac historically that is recorded in the book of Genesis is a prophecy of the birth of Zion in the beginning of the end of the exile for the house of Jacob. Now, historically, all the rabbis agree that Isaac was born at Passover. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 1, on page 641, it, it is explained that Isaac's birth all agree that he was born on the first day of Passover. And one of several sources is the Talmud in Rosh Hashanah 11a. Now, in telling us about the birth of Isaac, in Genesis chapter 21 and verse 1, it starts out by saying, And the Lord visited Sarah. And then in verse 2, it says that Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the 
the set time. Now, at the set time in Hebrew, we have here the word moed, and that is the word that describes the festivals. And so there's a reference here that Isaac was born at the moed. He was born at the appointed time, or you could render it, he was born at the festival. But we have the phrase, the Lord visited Sarah. Now, what we're going to be seeing here is that the word visited is a code word that tells about the redemption of the nation of Israel. And so in speaking about the birth of Isaac, it's written in a way in which it's being communicated that the birth of Isaac is a redemption. And so this is the connection that we have to the birth of Isaac at Passover season to the redemption of the nation of Israel. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.